0: hey guys welcome to the second episode of age thompson and other disappointments my guest today is a stand-up comedian who i uh, started out with when i first started doing comedy um he's also one of the angriest most vitriolic ranty little dudes that you're ever likely to meet um he's got four shows out on Bandcamp. they're called we are all cunts we are all still cunts we all die cunts and fuck you and fuck your beliefs um, he's working on a play at the moment, which will no doubt be finished at some point this year. And uh, today I had a little chat with him about where he came from, where he started out from, what he's up to now, and uh, his frustrations with society in general. I hope you enjoy listening to him as much as I enjoyed talking to him and catching up with him. Uh, please welcome Ashley Hayden. Mr. Ashley Hayden. Welcome, Ashley. Hello. It's, How's it going? It's It's going pretty well. I'm in my... I'm in my cabin. I'm being, I don't know if you can hear it uh, on the mic, but there's a lot of rain, like pitter pattering on my head. Not literally, yes, but yes. Um, so it's raining over
1: London, I think. Oh, well. Yeah,
0: but, uh, but I'm all right. I'm okay. Um, how are you doing? It's been ages uh, since we've spoken. Yes. Surviving. Surviving.
1: Constantly, always, it's
0: hell. Should we give people a bit of like background to, to who you are and like how we know each other? um okay so i'll i'll start if you like and then i'll i'll hand over to yep, you Yep, that's fine so um uh as, as i recall uh you and i sort of entered the the london open mic uh realm community around the same sort of time there was uh there was a gig that used to be done at a pub in liverpool street called dirty dicks uh, and then we do that every tuesday night and uh i dead in socks dead comedian socks yeah correct um and uh, and i thought you were quite an interesting act to to watch and to see develop because you were quite sort of dark humid and i was um although i think i was probably outwardly more uh, jovial um I, I was also quite sort of dark humid uh angry and ranty um so uh so yeah i don't know we we had a few beers and we got to know each other and um uh, and then further along the line, I became a father and uh, my dreams were crushed. Um, yes. And, uh, and you carried on going. And like from the looks of things, I did, uh, you know, a, a modest slash pathetic amount of research before uh started.
1: That's Pista. nice of you. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I try. Um, and I saw, so you've got four shows on Bandcamp now.
1: Um, i got four shows on Bandcamp Uh Two of those uh, shows are also on NextUp cool. uh, as uh, uh, videos uh, for the recordings of those shows. Uh, the Bandcamp ones are just uh, audio. Okay. And those shows can also be found on Amazon Prime as well. Mm,
0: okay. And you've been, fuck me, Amazon Prime, set you out.
1: Mm, that's only because the deal that Next Up have with Amazon Prime. So it's, it's not as though Amazon said, Ah oh, we love you. Yeah. Let's have your stuff on." It was very much part and parcel of the deal. Next stuff done, but it's a nice thing to say. Yeah,
0: yeah, something nice to put Especially on your bottom of your Edinburgh poster next time.
1: Well, it's it's it helps when people like to say that it's a uh, it's a hobby, and it's it's not a hobby; it's uh, an unsuccessful career. Um, <laughs> that's 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 the big difference I don't do stand-up as a as a hobby I'm just not successful at it
0: yeah um, well I don't know I mean define success like this was one of the things I was going to ask you perhaps a bit further in um but uh, actually perhaps we'll, we'll get onto the definition of what success looks like for a comedian like yourself um maybe once we kind of join the dots a little bit about like who you are yes. and where you've come from so um I've kind of covered like where I met you, but where were you before? Like what led you to doing open mic comedy in Liverpool street on a Tuesday night?
1: It's a simple way. Uh, I think I just wanted to do it. So I did. Um, I've, I've always loved comedy. Uh, it's, uh, it's especially when I saw the likes of uh, Bill Hicks and uh, Billy Connolly, uh, people like this, um, even uh, Carlin and, Uh, these uh, comedians and realising that you can say something and laugh Mm. Um, and I wanted to do it so uh, I think it must have been probably 10 years next year so when I was 23 Mm. I typed into Google uh, something like open mic comedy the first thing that came up was uh, Lion's Den yeah yeah uh, used to be run by uh, a bloke called Tim Rendell, who was a lovely, lovely fella. Unfortunately, died a couple of years ago. Um, but I mean, the Lion Lions Den was such a mad gig. Mm. Uh, it's in was uh, if it ever comes back, it's in Shaftesbury Avenue, at Bar Rumba, mm. and it would have. 20-plus comedians all doing five minutes. The night would go on for, like, four hours, last person, (laughs) and it would all be picked out of the hat as well, so it was all fucking random. Yeah, And so you may end up getting on, uh, like, fucking half 11, and you're the final act, and there's no fucking audience. Most of the comedians have left as well because no one wants to be in this... What I could only describe as like a, a rapist paradise of a place.
0: <laughs> yeah. At
1: half 11 at night trying to get home. Yeah. Uh, but that's how I got into it. My first gig, uh, I died. Uh, and then my second gig, I realized I actually did okay in the first one and I died on the whole properly on the second one. Wow. And then I just kept on doing it.
0: Yeah, there's some there's a certain sort of romance, isn't there? Too like so when you first start out and you die on your fucking ass, uh, it's almost like you feel like, well, I've I've done that now. I, I like I know if I can die on my ass and then still come back the fuck. Like the worst that's going to happen is that that happens again, and I've already done that. So
1: yeah, it's I mean, dying early is certainly a a plus to. Like doing fifty gigs and you're doing really well and you think you're fucking nailing it yeah. and then you die. Yeah. Uh, because at that point you're you're there. You, it's a much it's a much bigger fall. Mm. Whereas if you die straight away, then you're there going well. Only way is up. Right. Um. And and I mean hell, I I die often since, uh, especially when I'm testing out new material that's. Uh, takes work to get right and uh, the right pacing on, uh, especially the style, as you you mentioned, I'm I'm dark and I I do a lot of material on subjects that people don't necessarily want to uh, hear about. And so dealing with that, especially when you're testing out an open mic, a new material night where uh, no one's come to see you. Mm. They want comedy. They haven't come to see you, so they haven't come to see me stand on stage and go, oh, I'll tell you why you're all a bunch of cunts. They're not there for that. And so you have to – so they're not going to like it, and they don't often. And so it's all about working out how that works for, like, an hour show where people have come to see me and actually do want to hear why they're all cunts.
0: you ever worry that, like, when you're doing, uh, say, a, a new material night or an open mic night, and you're going up against that sort of like cause it, a lot of new material nights are, g- are going to be on like a Monday or a Tuesday night um, yeah, for commercial reasons for the pub. But when you're up against that sort of audience of people who have not come to see you and you want to try your new bit and it fails, but then some other bits work and you think, okay, well, awesome. Like I'll bank those because they obviously work, whatever. But then, do you ever, when you go to your actual show, you're doing like a forty five minute show somewhere, and they have come to see you? Do you ever sort of spool back and think like, I wonder if that bit would have worked because these people are coming to see me, so they would they get me? So do you like do you see what I'm saying? Like it's just, there's a slight difference in the audience. So have you just thrown I... away some shit unnecessarily?
1: I. Don't care about an audience reaction whilst I'm working out material. Mm. Uh, it's not about at, at that point, and it's just how I work for, like, it's, it's I'm going to be uh, doing 10 years uh, next year. And I have found that what matters is how it sounds when I'm testing it. Mm. Uh, i I know where the improvements need to come and it's not necessarily down to an audience reaction mm. because what i'm what I'm working on my my style is uh, I like to have an audience awkward
0: yeah
1: I want them uncomfortable <laughs> having having an audience uh, uncomfortable while I'm uh, for out like an hour yeah. is for me the absolute epitome of what I'm doing because I don't want anyone there. I don't want the audiences applauding. I hate that. I hate an audience. I mean so in, in some ways you're
0: like, really you're like you're like an anti comedian because most of us would be pathetically chasing laughs, claps, cheers, and really what you're like an applause for you would be uh eight rows of buttocks clenching. Correct?
1: Well I want them to laugh. Right. But I only want two things from an audience. I want laughter or silence.
0: Mm.
1: Anything else, and you just say it's especially uh, applause. And I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to go into it because it's a it's a bit I've I've written uh, for stage when they do applaud. Mm. Uh, so I don't want to go over material on here and not be able to use it on stage. Right, right. But basically, I don't require anyone's uh, approval. Or, uh, applause is just, oh, I agree with you. I don't want them fucking agreeing with me. I know I'm right. I don't need them <laughs> to fucking tell me. You know, it's, it's, people applaud as that's a, a very good, going, that's, that's not the point I'm saying it. I don't want everyone to be fucking agreeing with me and patting me on the back. I'm telling you there's a fucking problem.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, it, it, if if I'm telling you there's a problem and go, oh yeah, you're quite right. You're quite right. And then fucking move on. What's the fucking point? Mm about it's it's actually about doing something it's it's not enough to just fucking go oh yeah you're right everyone is dying oh it is terrible ah them's the brakes
0: it's not enough yeah yeah there's a there's a Doug Stanhope bit uh I heard a few years ago where he says like you know all of his friends saying like yeah yeah Doug you know you're right you know most most of the world's problems do come from overpopulation and blah 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 and anyway I'm still gonna go and have a kid because and uh i suppose there is you know there's layers to that in the sense that you spend your time as a sort of comedian slash rant artist you know trying to get people to understand and make a change uh and what they basically take away from it is as you say like a sort of a cheer a clap some laughter hopefully and then the world carries on turning right
1: well, like it's—I mean, my stuff is funny. That's it's, its thing. I mean, if I do say so myself, yeah. Um, I am going for laughter. Mm. It's not like I walk and say, like, "Oh no, don't, 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 you dare laugh at this!" I'm not doing a fucking TED talk. I, it is a comedy show. Yeah. Um, but that—that that bit you're talking about is one of my favourite endings to uh, a show. Yeah it was uh, Doug a, a few years ago is one where he was wearing like the, uh, pilot's jacket. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fantastic ending of just saying, well, I, I, I already solved that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know why we're still talking about it. I solved that in uh, like the, my third show. Yeah.
0: It,
1: uh, he, he, he says that it's, uh, like all, like everyone's hungry and I've spent years pointing out the food. Yeah. Um, and, but, one of the points that i disagree with and it's a comedy trope that i want to look at to disband is this idea of overpopulation Mm. um uh bill burr's done a bit on it uh uh, stan hope did a bit i think fucking bill hicks all these greats do uh, a bit on uh oh there's too many people and that is frankly not the case yeah we have it's greed is the problem. We have enough space, we have enough food. over The only reason that overpopulation is a problem is because people are cunts and they should all be wiped out <laughs> that's that that I 100 percent agree with. Yeah. People are awful. Let's wipe out humanity. yes, but the the reason that the world is in such a shit state isn't because there's too many people. it's because they're awful people. yeah, that's it. And so this continue. I know it's a comedy trope, but people do believe that overpopulation is a problem, and it simply isn't. It's greed. Greed is the problem.
0: I like the idea that, like, there would be you and uh, Doug Stanhope sat round a pub table, and then somebody would come in and go like there's too many people and Stanhope's take on it would be like, yeah, you should just bring the number down a bit, but you would interpret that as like, there's too many people. Let's really what you're disagreeing about is the number that he would say "There's like, let's make fewer no, and you'd take it down to wipe everyone out.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's the reasoning for it. Mm.
0: I think wipe everyone out because everyone's awful and we
1: don't deserve anything good. Uh, I'm like, uh, uh I do not believe in a meritocracy Mm. uh, as an individual. I do believe in meritocracy as an entire planet. Like, this is what we fucking deserve. Mm. An entire year of a global pandemic, greed, starvation, fucking sex trafficking, racism, homophobia. That's what we deserve as a world. Mm. Authoritarians, genocide, ethnic cleansing. This is what we deserve because this is what we've worked to. As an individual basis, as a person, Jeff Bezos doesn't deserve the money that he's got. People in poverty do not deserve to be in poverty. But as an entire world, we do deserve to be wiped off the face of it.
0: I really thought that before we we started this chat today, I thought, I wonder if Ashley's like chilled with age, you know, like I want to...
1: No, I, I... I've uh, become more uh, eloquent in my ranting Uh, and I'm not as drunk as I used to be. I was
0: going to get onto that later, um, but we can, let's spool back a little bit. So we, um, we touched on you getting into comedy and that it was, you know, you'd always looked up to to some of the greats and it was something you wanted to try. Um, And then around the time that uh, I became a dad, and I sort of took a step back, that feels mentally to me as though that was the time when you kind of started to really find your feet. Um, al- Almost like I was holding you back. But um, it feels like, like in, in terms of the timeline in my brain, it feels like you then went off and did Brighton Fringe. I think you did. Have you done one Edinburgh or two or three?
1: Uh, I've done four Edinburgh now. Fuck me. Uh. Yeah, I was meant to come up uh this year as well for the fifth, but that will have to go to next year. Right. Um what with the Brighton fringe, the Brighton fringe was very uh important in my development because I did a double header with Zach Split. Mm. Uh and so we both did 25 minute, half hour each. And that was really the first time that uh I had the idea that the style that I was going for and uh, the uh, subject matter and everything else, it works for a longer period. Mm. Can't get an audience on side in five minutes when I'm doing jokes about uh, the fucking bombing of Mm. Idlib. Yeah. So uh, lengthening it out... Uh, and then when I did The Bright and Fringe in 2015, 2016 is the first time I went up to Edinburgh with uh, The Hours show, which was We Are All Cunts. Yeah. Which is the start of Cunting Trilogy. And
0: yeah, this has become your sort of uh, trademark, I guess. Like, So three out of four of your shows on Bandcamp, have, it's We Are All Cunts, We Are Still All Cunts. And... Yeah, and then We All Die Yeah, cunts. that's right. And then, what's the most recent one? Well,
1: I was uh, the most recent one was "fuck you" and "fuck your beliefs."
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, well, I like, what's the reception like to these? Are you sort of because I remember when you and I used to beer outside uh, Dirty Dicks, and I used to say to you and Gretton, um, I used to say, you know, like there's there's acts that I could see on the bill tonight where I already know that they're going to get a job with the BBC presenting children's television or um uh you know getting on to live at the apollo or like they're just very accessible yeah. beautiful entertainers um and that's that's great that's what they're there for uh, and it will happen very quickly for them and i remember saying to yes, you sir. like but the the cool thing about what you're doing is that it's like it's going to take longer it's going to it's going to be like the difference i think this is the actual analogy that i i reeled off before but i was like it's like the difference between like a, a number one hit by a shitty pop act versus like a pink Floyd. Like it's going to be a long, slow process, but you're going to get a following and then the payoff at the end of it will be that you've got the credibility and you've got, you know, the solid fan base and everyone's always going to come out to see you. And, um, and I just wondered like, are you sort of, cause it feels like from afar, like that's actually kind of what you're on the road to now, or is that, is that totally? I mean,
1: hopefully, uh, I, I'll, I, I can't even like fame's never been a, a big issue uh, for me, and neither has money. I, I do come because I, I want to. It's everything mm. uh, to me. It's uh, the the entire fucking reason for being. Mm. That's why I do it. I, I have stuff to say, and it's the way that, and this is the way I get out. Uh, it's. Uh, and like the Edinburghs, every every Edinburgh I've uh, gotten more audience. Mm. Um, you get
0: people coming back and, again and again. They're like, "I remember yeah. you from last time." Like,
1: yeah, I have done. I have had a repeat audience, which is always nice. Is nice. Uh, but like the reason that I name my shows what I name them isn't because R isn't swearing funny. It's a very useful way of making sure the people who certainly are not going to enjoy the show don't turn right. up.
0: So it's like a sort of um, just a disclaimer, really. Like if he's going to call his show that, yeah. that's not for me. So see you later.
1: Exactly. If you get over, yeah. If you can't get over the uh, title of the mm. show, there's not a chance in hell you're going to enjoy mm. the show, and. Instead of dealing, I mean, I still get walkouts. Yeah, even even with the show titles, I still get walkouts. People going, "Well, this is too much for me," and you know, so, yeah, "Well, that's fine. It's it's fine to be offended." People, especially in this day and age, seem to act like being offended is akin to sniffing women on the tube. Like you just shouldn't yeah. do it it's you can be offended it's fine to be offended you just have to realize that your opinion doesn't matter
0: yeah that's the difference isn't it and, and i think i think twitter has a lot to answer for in that sense because it's like like i've i've mentioned this example to a few people but um i i firmly believe that if you went back like 15 20 25 years and then you said to me hey, I've got this wicked idea. Like that, like maybe the Earth is flat, or like maybe fucking Avril Levine was killed and they've been using a double, like, to parade around on a talk, like some some sort of far fetched nonsense. If you came out with that to me in the pub, I would say that is the most ridiculous fucking nonsense I've ever heard Ashley get to fuck. Yes. Rightly so, and and that would kind of probably be the end of it. Like maybe somebody else would be around the pool table with us, and they'd be like, yeah honestly actually pack it in like that and then that there would be like credit credit control quality control to it like where you would then reflect you'd be like oh fuck maybe maybe that was silly um but now what happens is you know one person comes out with an idea they put it on twitter <laughs> fucking 100 people favorite it and then they're like fuck I want, I'm on to something here like like I must have a point um and obviously you'd... oh nee- second sorry. The issue
1: with uh, a lot of the conspiracies is that it relies on people being vastly more competent than they actually are. Mm. That's the problem with uh, most conspiracies, and the fact that there's no such thing as a secret. Right. You can't. Keep, people don't keep secrets. Mm. People don't. That's why. That's why people know other people's secrets. Because even even your own secret. You'll fucking tell, Ah, oh, now, I haven't told anyone this before, but keep it a secret. Chris Betts does a wonderful line on it, saying, I'm not going to keep your secret if you can't keep your own secret. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking on the nose for it. And so you're telling me that for all of these conspiracies, you've got all of these people keeping secrets and not one person's fucking said it. <laughs> Bollocks, mate.
0: Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It's like the the other angle to it that I always think of is like how come it's always the people that can't sort their fucking life out that think that they've figured out the fucking majesty of like yeah. biochemical engineering or something. Like like the vaccine is the most recent example of this. It's they announce a vaccine, it's a feat as far as I'm concerned and I'm no fucking scientist, but as far as I'm concerned and can see from sources I trust, not just some fucking weird guy's blog it, it appears to be a feat of excellence like on yes it's 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 the
1: best of humanity
0: yeah. but then there'll always be like eight to ten people on my facebook feed who are just like nipping at the heels of it going like ah oh, well you know i don't try uh, uh, 10 months for a vaccine oh i don't know about that as though I'm like why don't you start small mate why don't you start small pay your water bill uh get a job And, you know, like just baby steps and then work your way up to the biochemical engineering, perhaps.
1: I was talking about this just yesterday. And what people seem to miss is what can be achieved if you have almost unlimited money. Right. Yeah. You've got unlimited. There's a reason why all of these charities like Cancer Research and everything are raising money all of the time, because it costs a lot of money to do this research. Mm. And so when you get unlimited money and you've got everyone going full fucking hardcore at trying to uh, get a vaccine for it, it can be a lot better.
0: I said something very similar, actually. I I don't want to sound like, you know, I was the... um, Like, oh, I was saying this before. It was cool to say this. But, like, literally at the beginning of the pandemic, I was chatting to somebody and saying you know, I know that they say it could take five to 10 years for a vaccine for this. Cause that's what honestly people were saying. They were like, we don't know how long this is going to be around for. Um, yes. And I was like, I know they're saying that, but I just feel like with all of these countries with like China, the U S the EU, the UK, all of these com- countries throwing money at this thing. I just feel like there will something out of the bag in like a year, 18 months or so. And Obviously that they did it even better than that, but you 're right it sort of you know harks back to what you 're talking about. If you just throw money and resources at something it 's amazing how quickly you could solve whatever problem you 're trying to solve
1: yeah it does it, it, i mean it continues to show that uh, in in this world money isn 't the problem it 's uh, people like money isn 't evil money can do good mm. things do uh, you think it shows
0: but, like billionaires like Bezos up for being perhaps more evil than we even thought before because like if i look at a pandemic you know and like bezos has got how much 100 billion it's got to be around that
1: oh no, he's, yeah he's, i think he's because he's he's made the most amount of money during this yeah. pandemic and so it's almost like he's it's... uniquely
0: positioned firstly he's super rich anyway but secondly he's benefiting from the this period that we're in so I would imagine that somebody in his position should be thinking like, okay, look, this is a shitty situation. I could actually make myself look really good here. Um, I could just take 10 billion or 20 billion and I'll forever be known as the guy that fixed COVID. So I'll just do, but what kind well, of person I then say says, no, I'm he... not going to do that.
1: Instead of that, I would say if he just paid his fucking tax, mm then we would have that 10, 20 billion anyway. And he could be known as the cunt who paid his tax.
0: Yeah, but then it's always this way with... Which is all I'm asking. Yeah, it's always this way with, with very, very rich people, though, is that they don't want to pay their tax because then there's no, like, adulation involved. And there's no, like, oh, he's so good. He, You know, he went Ooh. to this charity event and cut a ribbon. And like, if you just pay your tax, it's like, oh, I have to pay my tax.
1: Charity is wrong, though. Charity is wrong. There is no good charity. Mm. Because all charity is, is saying society has failed. Is this
0: what you tell chuggers on the street?
1: I have done. uh, Unfortunately, I seem to have quite a kind face. So they come up to me a lot uh, and ask if I've got time. And I say no. um, And then if they continue, then I'll make sure that they regret asking it's not the chuggers fucking fault they're just doing a job and i think they're doing something nice where all they're doing is continuing the fact that society government and everything else don't need to do anything Mm. because every time that they let something fail humanity will try to come and fill in that little gap but they're doing it on a house of cards this is it everything everything all charity is is plugging a hole Mm. Not even fucking a hole. It's just fucking taking out the got a spoon and trying to get the water out of a boat. That's all it's doing. Yeah. We're not even sorting out the fucking hole. That's one of the major problems. If the government came and filled up the hole, then we wouldn't need the charity with their little fucking teaspoon trying to make sure that we don't all sink.
0: What happens, though, then, if let's say tomorrow the government suddenly say do you know what we've been acting like cunts let's uh let's sort this out it's, it doesn't make any sense to do it the way that we're doing it so from now on we're going to tax companies efficiently and and billionaires and uh we will fund cancer research and we um pay for hospice like private hospices and, and all of that like they suddenly act right then
1: if that happens tomorrow yeah. then i will type well i will fucking get well bugger me Tattooed on the side of me car.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, if that, if, if they suddenly turned a corner like that, what then happens to all of the charity sector? Is it do they just envelope and mass redundancies? Good.
1: Yeah, but then they'll yeah, but for no, they they won't at all because they'll get jobs with the uh, government on all of the projects that they're actually fucking oh, funding. Right,
0: I see. They like two p across.
1: I yeah, Because you need people who know what they're mm-hmm. doing, running these things. You can't you can't just uh, even the Tories do not have enough friends for all of those jobs. I'm yeah. sure, I'm not doubting that at the top, they'll find all their fucking friends. And on that, I would like to point out the worst thing. The fucking worst thing about all the cronyism is how incompetent every single one of these bastards' friends are. How do you have this many friends that are all shit? Well- but like you normally have one. You normally have one in a group of friends. We all know that one in a group of friends that is a useless fuck that you wouldn't trust with <laughs> anything. That's all of their friends. That's yeah. every single one of their. But friends. do you think it's
0: because, like, when you move in Tory circles, then everyone is a silver spoon prick. Like they've never had to develop any real skill sets. They've they've had everything handed to them. It has to be something. There has to be a reason why none of them can do up their own fucking shoelace.
1: There has to be some... Maybe they're used to wearing slip-ons because they don't want to have to do up their shoelaces because they're normally covered in cum after some fucking gangbang of a child.
0: Yeah, could be. But, I don't know. I I feel like... I mean, there could be other reasons. I'm not
1: saying that's that's for certain.
0: I feel like they are very well-connected. And they've never really had to work for much. Um, and so when they move in those circles uh, and networks, they are then uniquely positioned to secure contracts. And then, you know, there whoever it is, competent. whoever it is. There has to be one competent one, though. They have to have a competent friend. Surely,
1: surely, between them all, they've got one competent friend.
0: I also think it's a psychological thing where they... Um, As far as they're concerned, they are, like, born to rule. So they're just better. They're just, like, of a different class. And so then when somebody says, you fucked this up because you're incompetent, the first thought isn't, oh, shit, I fucked this up. Like, they should have given it to somebody else. Their first thought is, well, yeah, I fucked it up, but thank goodness you didn't give it to one of the little people because, oh, they would have really fucked it up. Like, I I really think that's where they sit, kind of mentally. Like, they really think that there's a...
1: and classes that, that... I mean, yes, they, they certainly believe that. They certainly believe that they're, they're better, but that's, that's a public schooling telling them that they're better. And you can, you can argue that you should uh, feel sorry for these uh, people who have not had a real upbringing, have uh, had smoke blown up their fucking arse so long that they've probably got lung cancer mm. from it with any luck. Um, Actually, no, that's a bit too mean. I don't wish them lung cancer. Dead, yes, but not from something like lung cancer, just from, I don't know, fucking spontaneous combustion or something. Um, Yeah, we we shouldn't promote violence and uh, hope that people die of horrible injuries. We shouldn't. We still do, quite rightly, but we shouldn't. Um, Yeah. I just can't... I, I spent so long now doing stuff on politics and the idea of hope has completely gone, but that went like fucking five, six years mm. ago. Uh, there's, there, I, I see no hope. I see no uh, plus any time that there's uh, a modicum of uh, usefulness. I just look at it and go, well, this is the minimum we should be looking at, and we're praising it like they've just fucking cured every disease. You know, oh, you just told the truth.
0: Yeah. That's do you think, um, I know what I think about this, but I'm interested to hear what you do. Um, do you think politics in the UK has, has tanked? In, in its quality, in its credibility, more so in the last five years? Or do you think it's just, like, it's always been this shameless and shady and corrupt, and it's just that now, you know, as we grow into the sort of, you know, how old are you now? 30? 32? Eight, so so as, we, as you get into your 30s, I'm now 40. Um, You know, is it just part of getting older that we're just more exposed to it? We're more interested in it now?
1: No, it's uh, vastly worse, mm. and I'm not claiming that it was good beforehand. Um, but at least, like the the Tories as an example, mm. like they're all fucking terrible. I don't support a political party. I think they're all shit. I think anyone who wants to be in politics should automatically not be allowed in politics. Mm. I'm a firm and I think this is a good way of uh, improving politics is you can only be a politician if you have at one time taken your own advice Right. if you've done that then come along if you've never done that then you shouldn't be allowed but we're at a point now where there is more evil in politics than I think there's ever been and we ignore evil we always have done because we think that evil is either Hitler or like fucking uh, fucking Ted Bundy. Mm. That's who we. That's who we see as evil. Whereas the people who we currently have in power are evil. That is who they are. They're not doing it for good reasons. And if you like the people who uh, for Grenfell, those companies, they are evil. Mm. This is it. And we want to fucking hide away and say, like, "Oh no, they're just doing it for money." Listen, if you're putting people's lives at risk for money, you are evil. Yeah, that is it. The people in our government, from Pretty Patel to Boris Johnson to Jacob Rees-Mogg, these people who are willing to lie to a nation to put them in danger—that is evil. That's not incompetence. That's not ah, oh, or well, they think they're doing good. No, they're evil. Yeah, I just... and we.
0: To do you ever this. think that maybe using the language of, like, evil uh, opens you up to to criticism or scrutiny, that, you know, you're looking at it like a sort of biblical, you know, angels and demons kind of...
1: No, because that's the fucking problem. You want to think that evil is only something to do with God and the devil. But it's right, not. I mean, come it on, is... like, when... Evil isn't just superheroes. That's not the fucking case. The reason it opens you up to scrutiny is because people are so fucking stupid that their only concept of evil is either black or white. That's their issue, not fucking mine.
0: Come on, man. The the word evil is like a biblical uh demonic no, it's not it's a fucking word with a definition yeah but it's like i i just think if you if you went on rec- like let's say you're a politician and you went on record and said boris johnson is evil i think you'd be ridiculed i think people would say like oh come on like you're over egging it a bit i would i would look at that i agree that they uh they call each other ball
1: every fucking day and that's not ridiculed so you think they're calling them evil would be the only reason it would be. Uh, idiot, I, I make you right. I make you right. They would be ridiculed if they came out and said, well, I think that uh, Pretty Patel wanting to deport British people over to Jamaica for some fucking mm. reason is evil. I think that uh, our whole immigration system, I think that detaining uh, children is evil. And I think the government are doing it because they're evil. You would be ridiculed but that is because society and I've said it before and I'll say it again, should be wiped out.
0: <laughs> right. But I just think if you're going to make a point about, and there is this, I'm not disagreeing. I think that that behavior and those policies and the, the structures and the history of how we treat people in this country and how we treat the most vulnerable um, is gross. It's, and it needs addressing, uh, but from my mind, I feel like if you're going to – if you want to win people over or if you want to
1: – Fuck
0: winning people over.
1: This is – this is this – is, this is it. I'm not a fucking politician. <laughs> this is your I'm problem, not- man. You, like, one minute no, – I'm trying to win people over. I'm trying to say, quite honestly, yeah. that there is evil – in this country and this is the thing you you, everyone expects me to fucking go along go oh yeah Uh, listen listen ladies let me just stroke your hair let's give you some warm fucking milk and let me tell you a little story about how bad people do bad things fuck off they're evil If you are unwilling to accept it, then you are part of the fucking problem. (laughs) The world ain't going to change because I fucking say it's evil. And it's not going to change because I fucking wank everyone else and make them feel better. I'm not here to make the difference. I've told you, it's all ending. It's all over. There's fuck all I can do. All I'm gonna do is fucking scream and shout about it, and hopefully make some people laugh at some. I moment. just think it's
0: right? the time. It's I... just funny, like, because it's like to me, it seems so clearly circular that there's you in a gig in Brighton, say, uh, getting angry at people because they're not taking your advice, and you're not seeing any change in society. And <laughs> in a heartbeat, you're like, I'm not here to fucking convince anybody. Ah, fuck off. No,
1: because they're not here. I'm, I'm a comedian, mm. you know. I'm not going to change the fucking world. No comedian has ever changed a fucking thing. They don't. Yeah, I'm a fucking. I'm an angry clown at this point. <laughs> just screaming into a fucking void and that's another reason why I don't like the fucking applause yeah. is because when everyone's fucking applauding and agreeing oh you agree you you agree with what I'm saying well then why aren't you in a hump on a fucking in the, screaming into the void like I yeah. am why are you not in a fucking ball in the corner dying over all
0: of this so <clears throat> earlier on we talked a little bit about um, well, we touched very briefly on what success would look like to you, and this feels like a good juncture yeah. uh, to get to that. So, you know, with this this uh, sort of mental image in my mind of you screaming at people in a in a gig, and you're recording it for Bandcamp, and um, and you've got your podcast. We haven't mentioned that yet. Ashley Hayden's political breakdown.
1: I I I, I stopped oh, really? doing that. Yeah. Yeah, it takes. I'm doing other stuff and that. I'll bring it back at some point, but it just takes so long to fucking research 20, 30 stories in a yeah. week. And then you have to ask guests on, and I don't want to fucking ask guests to come on to my shit. Mm. Um, I, I don't. I say, oh, do you want, to, do you want to talk? And then they don't do any research and they're idiots and
0: they
1: It's a lot of fucking work and I'm doing other stuff. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: Um, okay, well the podcast aside, um, you know, you you're you're doing this gig and you're recording it for Bandcamp and your or Amazon and um and you're sort of working towards something, but like given how dark and ranty you obviously still are, um and, and the mainstream of British comedy and, um, you know, the, the kinds of acts that get big over here. Like what does, you know, but comedy is your main thing, right? You've said that. You, this is what you live for. So what, what yeah. are you, what, is it, what does success look like for you? What are you kind of working towards?
1: 6,000 people willing to pay, or no, 3,000 people willing to pay £10 a year to see me. Yeah. That's it. That's 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 all I want, just to be able to. Cause uh, I I do some uh, contract work, uh, other things to uh, get me some more money. Not do that and just do that. That's that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. I don't look for a lot. I don't need fame. I, I just I I write. Uh, like at the moment, I'm uh, writing a play. Uh, at the moment, and I'm writing a TV show and I'm still writing stand-up, although not able to perform mm. it. I'm doing other stuff, but just to not have to do the contract work as well to get to a point where all I'm doing is focusing on the creative mm. side. That's what I want.
0: Yeah. In some ways, so I'm I'm in a slightly different situation to you, but not that dissimilar. Um, so I sort of looked at it like... When I became a dad, uh, we moved out to Guildford. Gigging became infinitely yep. harder. Um, I was so desperate to still be involved in comedy somehow. Uh, and I sent messages to people like who were doing Edinburgh shows and shit. And I was like, um, you know, kind of stuck stuck at home with my baby. And, uh, you know, if you've got any audio of your gigs and stuff, just send them down. I'd love to listen to them. And, um, uh, I shut down my old Facebook account that was that um, was just, like had everyone from the comedy world on it. I just opened yeah. a new one because I could, honestly like mentally, mental health wise, I probably wasn't in a great space because I just could not fucking handle seeing a Facebook feed full of people going like my fringe show got like 23 people in this afternoon. And then someone else going like, oh, you know, I've just produced this thing and like. It just sent me fucking balmy. Like and I I I never yeah. put anything on Facebook like, you know, cunty about like fuck you, Lord, I'm stuck like it was never like that. It was just I just couldn't handle it. And um and so anyway, then Jacob is now four and he's at school and we've got another one. Um but before the other one was like on the way, I was getting back into doing like Monday night gigs and then every now and then like a little Wednesday like trying new idea like little bits every now mm-hmm. and then with a view to, like, you know, if I just keep keep trying the little bits, then eventually, at some point, I will circle back and make some sort of return with a view to, like, doing... Like, I mean, your goal is, um, it is far greater than mine. Like, I think I would settle at this stage for just making enough money in my day job to fund a half-decent Edinburgh show and, like, split the bill with someone. I feel like I've... I, I'm
1: I'm incredibly alone, so I've got nothing else.
0: Yeah, but it's like, are you? I mean, when I was single and gigging, I felt like I knew, like, I had my friends from back home. I had uh, comedy friends. I had my London housemates. I had, like, I was swimming in social life. Um, So is it like, I mean, are you just kind of making a funny comment that I've got, like, kids and a partner and stuff or when you've got you've
1: got you've got a family you've you've got what is the quintessential idea of uh success you you've got someone that you love who loves you you've got your children who you love unconditionally you've got a stable job i mean that's the that's a dream for a lot of people yeah. Uh,
0: but do you like i mean presumably you don't well let's let's forget the pandemic for a second because a lot of people feel very lonely in the pandemic with isolation etc um but like being a like sort of single comic or whatever you can't be so alone that that propels you to want to then do like a six thousand a year gig or is it like I'm just trying to get to grips with like what it is that's sort of propelling you to do that to to like for that to be the end goal. It's you I one. Yeah. It's comedy uh,
1: comedy uh the creative stuff like the the play I'm incredibly excited mm. about. Uh apart from the stand up it's the the thing I've been most excited about in in 10 years. Um and so finding those things i want to do like i was very i was very lucky that at the age of 23 mm. i found stand up and realized that i've found what i want to do with my mm. life that is not something that a lot of people are able to say we we're, we're expected to choose at uh 16, 18 to make these grand choices about what you want to do for your entire life and people can go throughout their entire life never truly knowing what they have wanted I was very lucky uh, that at such a young age I did find what I wanted to do I found my passion, I found the, the thing that gave me the most joy mm. uh, the thing that frankly in terms of uh, even in terms of mental health performing comedy has helped me immense being able to get out uh my anger has greatly benefited my growth as a as a fucking person
0: mm. yeah
1: I'm vastly better now than I've arguably ever been
0: yeah
1: I mean this year not including because this has been a, a, a mental health kick in the fucking nuts right.
0: yeah Uh yeah
1: i i need i need stand up i need to perform i need to have that outlet
0: i felt like when i got into stand up i got into it a bit later i think i did my first gig when i was about 29 ish Mm -hmm. um and then like there was i mean there was a lot of stopping and starting but um yeah uh but by the time i did my my proper show uh and then became a dad even though i wasn't doing it anymore um i remember saying this to my mum. i was like i'm like even if i don't get back to doing it like like properly i'll always be grateful that i found it at a time when a lot of my friends were settling down and moving out of london and it was a thing like it was i'd always been into like performance and writing and stuff um and it was, but it was the first thing that I'd done and tried where a, I was certain that you couldn't just fake it. Um, and B, it was something that I could see like, like trackable progress in terms of how, good i was getting at it or or you know how shit it was that night or whatever like like writing a five minute thing memorizing it trying it one week half of it fails you come back next week you try another five minutes then you bank the two bits to get you know and over the space of six months it becomes like a really nice seven minute joke or whatever um and it gave me this is going to sound really twatty but it gave me a self-confidence in learning and learning how to learn uh that i was it was totally absent in my life before like i tried Hmm. doing other stuff music rap uh and um and i like i got some joy out of it and the creativity out of it but it wasn't i don't think i'd ever had any feedback in terms of like you're fucking great at this and you should carry on doing it like with with comedy it was like i could see it coming together and people shaking my hand after gigs and stuff and um so for me even yeah like if i if I never get back to it properly, uh, it will, I will always be grateful, same as you are, that you found it when you were 23. I'll be like, I don't care what age I was when I found it, I'm just glad that I found it.
1: Yeah, I, I was... It was a, a game changer, an absolute game changer, uh, finding stand-up, and it's what I want to continue to do. As I say, I mean, I the the writing side, I, I despise writing. I mm. hate it. Uh, I... It, it, like writing stand-up is one thing that's that's fine, fine thing, but actually writing scripts is one of the most boring things I've ever done in my mm. life.
0: Uh,
1: and now I'm writing two separate things, and oh, I every fucking day <laughs> you do the same shit, and it bores me to tears. really
0: Oh, it's interesting because I'm. I enjoy writing. Like I I true like I always felt like that's when the best bits come out. Like I'll I'll write two pages of 10 font in Microsoft Word and obviously 95% of it is fucking dog shit. But there's like there'll be one line in there or like two like and if I I know that if I just keep slogging at it then I'll be like so glad I did this. Um but for I, you it's I different just... is it or
1: yeah, I, I, I hate like uh, I've done like fifty-five pages of the yeah. play so far, uh, and that's only been a couple of weeks. Uh, I, 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 actually started writing it because it took me an age to get the story right, um, and now I, I, I'm writing it, and I try to do like minimum five pages a day, and oh, I, God, I hate it. <laughs> I, I, when I'm actually doing it. Uh like when when I get into it, it's absolutely it's yeah. fine. And then when I finish, there's a sense of accomplishment. But actually just actually starting it and getting into it and oh Christ, yeah. what a boring fucking existence.
0: Is it a romantic comedy? No, <laughs> amazingly.
1: Uh it's uh, a story about uh death of uh and uh it's based in death's waiting room it's a bit
0: off uh, where bit off you
1: brand, uh well <laughs> it's uh well it it's uh comes it, it's from an idea that uh you get to ask death one question and the play is about how you would get to deciding what that question would yeah. be um uh, and so, three characters and everything else. It's, uh, I, it's, it's. I'm not even writing it as a comedy. It's bad to say that, um, is it a
0: comedy or it, is it just a dark no, exploratory uh, piece? It's.
1: Yeah, it's it's is the the idea is something that I've been thinking about for mm. a while, and just the idea of because you have people who. If you ask, well, what would that one question, they answer mm. straight away. And i would uh, ask why this happens. And I want to look into uh, why people would ask, would think straight away, and actually take away the reasoning of these uh, questions that people want to ask and dig into why someone would ask a selfish question, uh, why someone would ask uh, a question that, once you're dead, has no meaning. Mm. Uh, So, like, uh, are my family going to be well? Mm. That's a very reasonable question. Uh, But would you want to know that answer? Because there's nothing you can do. So like yourself, you've got uh, children saying 30 years, you die, your children are all grown up. You want to ask, okay, then uh, will my children find happiness? Mm. Do you really want to know that? Because if the answer's no, what the fuck? You've got a potential eternity. But one thing I'm not doing is putting uh, any answers to uh, the questions or where this is set so i'm not saying there's an afterlife i'm not saying there's a god uh i'm there's nothing it could just be this question it, it, there's, it could just be the final fucking remnants of someone's mm. mind there's no don't want to be saying this is it this is what happens i want i, I don't want to give yeah, any answers so for you that like, so. focus
0: is more around around the, the like, questioning the even the format of that question and how people would arrive at yes. what they choose to ask. And the regrets
1: that uh, could be faced by uh, those who die, because the if you die, you only leave memories and mm. pain, really. And it doesn't affect you. There's a great play uh, called... Um, it's a World War One play uh, called Millions of the Mouthless mm. Dead. Uh, and one of the lines in it, uh, say not soft words other men have said, uh, for they are dead and they need not know, which I think is mm. it. You know, we, the dead doesn't, uh, the, all everything you say and all the tears and everything, it doesn't affect the dead. Uh, and so I think it's interesting to look at the dead and see how they could potentially feel that their life is gone and look at the regrets that is, uh, could be left behind mm. uh, while working to try to figure out this uh, question to ask. Yeah.
0: But it sounds like, sounds like deep, dark stuff. Um, and I,
1: I wish you were oh, oh, very much. I need to finish the fucking thing and then edit it. Oh, I hate editing. Editing's worse than writing. Editing's worse. Why don't worse you get
0: someone else to edit it for you?
1: The, the, main, the main issue with that is I really don't like people telling me where I've right. gone wrong. I don't like authority and that feels a lot like mm. authority. Like someone saying, oh, do, 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 even like adverts, mm. Oh, do Fuck you, don't tell me what to do I'm not touching your stuff again, fuck off mate I've got a real problem with being told I just things. see it
0: now, like, they'll be like What about if we just took, on page 19 We just took this line out You'd be like, fuck off, you're evil
1: No, they're not evil Don't be twisting my use of evil I use evil correctly You're the one who's putting fucking biblical terms All on right, it Not okay. me
0: Listen man, uh, Ashley Hayden, thank you very much for joining us um, I gotta go. Uh, I've right. got work to do today. So, um, yeah, we'll catch up with you soon. Uh, if anybody is um watching this and wondering where to catch uh Ashley's work, then obviously get onto Bandcamp, check out his shows. Um, and uh, we'll hopefully the third and fourth one. So,
1: the third and fourth one. The first two are fine, but like the fourth one's very good.
0: The fourth, fourth one is "fuck you" and really "fuck you believe." And the third one's good. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, go check him out. And hopefully, we'll all see each other um, uh, at an Edinburgh or Brighton Fringe Zone uh, show next year. Fantastic. All right. Take care, mate. Pleasure. Bye. See ya. Bye.